This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in the Lions 24-7 podcast. We're coming to you with a post-game podcast edition late in the night on Saturday following a Penn State loss in Columbus, 33-24, to the final score. Ohio State defeating Penn State for a fifth consecutive time, the first time either team in this series has won five straight over the other. Sean, I had the narrowest margin uh, in the prediction for Penn State versus Ohio State, and I think there were like 12-plus total predictions on lines 24-7. I said a 14-point loss for the Nittany Lions. I think on average it ended up around 23 points. This was a game that they had the ball with a chance to take the lead in Columbus midway late into the fourth quarter. Had an opportunity. Sean Clifford's bounce back was a big part of that. We'll get to why it didn't work out, but got some answers for where this team is right now, at least in terms of fighting for each other and fighting for their coach. Once you thought you were out, they pulled you right back in. It's kind of how it happens with college football fandom, I guess, but uh, not the result the Penn State fans will be happy with. Um, but going into the game, you know, as we talked last week, this was one where it was, that was heavily favored toward the Buckeyes. So a nine point loss doesn't seem that bad in perspective. But when you take a look at where you're trying to be as a program, when you take a look at what Penn State's trying to do, where do you go with this one? Do you compare it to last week? Obviously, you know, you could sit back all day and basically every play that you made in this game, you could sit back and say, where was that against Illinois? A, a team, a bad team that, that lost once again today. But Illinois is not the measuring stick. Illinois never should be the measuring stick. And that's that's really something that you're kind of wasting your breath talking about last week. Um, but uh, you, you decided to come back around. You're more focused, uh, or at least you seem more focused. You saw, um, you know, a consolidated effort on both sides. Of course, Sean Clifford's health makes a difference. Um, but, but it kind of puts into perspective where you're at in comparison to Ohio State. I mean, you look across the board, Ohio State, I don't think they blew anyone away by their performance this evening. But when you have that much talent stacked up, when you have that much depth stacked up, it eventually is going to bleed to the top. Um, and that's really what Ohio State was able to do in this. Um, you, you know, the, the margin for error for Penn State, much, much smaller than the Buckeyes. And, and it really showed up. Um, you can take a lot of positives out of this game, but you're you're still playing catch up. You're still, you know, fairly far behind the Buckeyes in this sense. And then you watch Michigan, Michigan State, and you wonder where Penn State fits into the entire picture of things. So, um, you, I think you can come away feeling fairly positive, but still having questions about uh, where Penn State stands in the in the big picture. I think in in any matchup right now for Penn State, the moral victory argument is the hardest to accept when it's Ohio State on the other side of this field, right? Because five straight now and, and the first couple by one point, but we'll say it again. No team plays Ohio State tougher on a more consistent basis than the Penn State Denny Lions. And yet, 
one and seven under James Franklin. And, and it's and it's all nice and a lot of moral victories involved. And this one in particular, you feel like this this program returns home to campus here in Happy Valley with a different vibe around it than what was in place here the last few weeks. And that's important because they got four more games to get to. And that's really going to define a lot about where this, this program is moving forward, uh, starting with Maryland next Saturday. But looking at the Ohio State matchup, Sean, you know, twice they faced 10-point deficits, deficits, twice they uh, rebounded from that situation. Um, this is a, this is a situation I think on the road um, where you you were going to find out early where, where Penn State was as a team, uh, starting with the quarterback spot, and you got a lot of answers. And I, I think I've, at the end of the first quarter, I tweeted this. That was what the collectively felt like the best quarter of football that Penn State had come out and played in, in quite some time. And some people suggested all the way back to 2019, and it wasn't a perfect quarter. You had Noah Kane fumbling the ball on, on the first snap offensively, but. Man, they answered the bell in a big way after they were knocked to the floor uh, coming out of that matchup against Illinois. You you can make an argument that they outplayed Ohio State, and and I don't think they, you know, I think some Ohio State fans would probably give you that one because they, you know, Penn State stepped up and made some plays. They kind of dictated things in the first half, um, and then things got away. I think the the key stats continue to pop up. Um, we'll say yardage Ohio State led 466 to four, to 394 so that's not a big uh gap there uh Penn State won the penalty battle Clifford 35 and tw- uh, 52 for 361 and a touchdown it's pretty good um you got Dotson going you got uh, Parker Washington involved uh you know you were fantastic on third down 11 of 18 for third town but you still don't have a running game and that's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, The short passing game was a nice little reprieve in there and kind of helped your running game go 33 yards, uh, 55 adjusted for sacks and there were four sacks. Um, But the the turnovers just continued to, to, to be in big games. They just continue to pop up and uh, can't have those three turnovers, Penn state, you know, you kind of had the flip flop there with fumbles in the first, uh, in the first uh, sequence of the game, Sean Clifford scoop and score and then a pick in the end. Ohio State scored nine points off of turnovers. That's the difference in the game right there. Quite literally, the difference in the game right there in a nine-point loss. Yeah, no, and and that that big man score was something. It, it was in slow motion, quite literally, as you're watching. You were waiting for someone to race in. And by the way, Penn State had a, had a few defensive backs race down guys and, and make big plays. Joey Porter Jr. making a big play, racing downfield. I think Brisker had another play where he raced downfield. We saw that explosiveness uh, from the Ohio State offense, and I thought that was really the separating factor as this game went on and on, particularly ex- the explosive plays on the ground because – you thought about what Penn State did in that first half against Travion Henderson, a guy that we spent a lot of time, you know, really you know, throwing the accolades toward his way coming out of those first seven games. Six yards on nine carries in the first half, Sean. I mean, what what a job coming off of Illinois where two guys got 140-plus on you. Of course, as things wore on, he got his, he got his right? He got 68 yards on the one play. Two, two plays later, he's in the end zone finishes with 152 yards. And I think that's what stands out to me here in the second half. And you look at, at what these teams did on the ground, uh, Penn State collectively in the second half, 14 rushing yards. Uh, Ohio State, though, uh, went over 140 on the ground in that second half. And, and that was really, to me, the separating factor because it took the heat off of C.J. Stroud, who I thought looked a little bit off kilter in the first half. Some of the, the throws were low and behind. Um, I just thought, in general, his game awareness was clearly a drop-off from where we've seen quarterback play for Penn State in this particular matchup during recent years. 
but he was able to stabilize a little bit. And I think a big part of that is he could hand the ball off. He gained something that way. While, while Clifford was night and day different behind the line of scrimmage, creating opportunities in the passing game with his feet, he still wasn't a run. He wasn't a, a, a running threat in, in any significant way in this matchup. And I thought that ultimately told the story. Travion Henderson showed up. And once again, you look around that backfield, no one made that splash. And Trayvon Henderson made a few, and those added up. You mentioned earlier, and I, I think that's a good way to put it, he was eventually he was going to get his. And that's yeah. really when you have a team as talented as Ohio State, when you have those guys out there. I mean, Olave had, what, 42 yards or 44 yards today. So Penn State kind of shut him down, but he did get that 38-yard touchdown. Um, you know, their, their receivers, of course, Garrett Wilson, Smith and Jigba, who's I think is fantastic. He might be the, the most talented out of the bunch um, after watching his body controls. Ridiculous. You Just know, those guys. Are, yeah, those guys are going to get those uh, is going to get theirs. But um, it's a tough situation when you're Penn State and you don't have that kind of uh, of drive behind you. You don't have that kind of uh, that that kind of talent, really. I mean, I I looked it up. Noah Kane looked phenomenal on one carry late in the first half. Um, I think he picked up 11 yards or something like that. I had to look up to see if that was his longest carry of the season. That's a problem. Like that's a that's a if you're you know you can you can talk about trying to dress up the run game, make the short passing game part of the run game. But if you can't run the football, I mean, Ohio State had 19, 19 rushing yards in the first half. They weren't doing anything. If you can't run the football, it really just, you know, just hamstrings the rest of your offense. Um, that, you know, you you put out a stat after the game, and I'll let you read all of those. Mm -hmm. um, but the the fact that you can't get anything going on the ground, even when you've, you know, you you open up a couple of times and get going. John Lovett had, what, 13 carries for 20 yards or something like that today. If you can't get anything going there, um, it's great to figure out a different way around it, but it, it, you got to come back to it at some point. And you saw at the end, Ohio State running a four-minute offense, was able to run the football, pick up a couple of first downs. They did mix some passes in there, but the threat of a run game, the, the ability to actually move some people and get them off the football um, is really one of the big differences in the game. And if you continue to boil that down, you saw how talented, how deep Ohio State's front line was, especially in the offensive side. And you think, okay, that's that that's the gap right there for Penn State. And how often have we come out of the Ohio State-Penn State game saying that is the gap between these two programs? It's been situations where Penn State could not put late leads away with its ground game. And now it felt like both offenses were searching for some balance coming out of intermission Ohio State found it, raced toward the finish line. Penn State couldn't. It fell back to Clifford's lap in a big way, and, and that ultimately, I think, made the difference as this game progressed into the fourth quarter and, 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 and finished. Yeah. And, and what's funny about that is I was thinking of the 2019 game when we were out there um, yeah. and, and watching that and seeing the difference between Penn State's quarterbacks and receivers compared to Ohio State and how that was the big gap for that game. And now this game, I think Penn State's receivers actually outplayed Ohio State's receivers, which were, you know, both really, really good groups. But I think Penn State's, uh, you know, group had a slightly better night. And Clifford and Stroud, you kind of split hairs, although you, you did have the turnovers from Clifford. Um, and that didn't seem to be the the the, the gully there that, that the Penn State had to clear. It was up front this time. So kind of picking and choosing. So when you've got that much talent, when you've got all-around talent that Ohio State has, um, it's going to be tough to catch them off guard in any situ any situation. And again, that's the measuring stick. That's what you got to keep going back to. 
By the way, uh, Sean Clifford, big the big difference here was when you didn't get this in recent games was the distribution downfield between his receivers. 11 catches for 127 yards for Jahan Dotson. And by the way, uh, the rushing touchdown, I applaud that package. But, but, but you know, I've been calling for Dotson and Warren as runners and guys to do something out of the backfield. Got them both in the same backfield there at the goal line. It was Dotson scoring. He has four touchdowns, 19 catches, and 271 receiving yards in these last two games for him against Ohio State. I would imagine his last two games against Ohio State, period. Um, and then you look at what Parker Washington did, going over 100 yards, a big game for him, nine catches. Contre Lambert-Smith made some key third-down conversions, four catches, 49 yards. And the tight ends, uh, collectively, their biggest contribution in the passing game, I think, this year, uh, four catches for for both Theo Johnson and Brenton Strange. Strange gets to the end zone. Um, and But they go back to, okay, those are nice. You've got these guys producing big plays but Noah Kane that 11-yard pickup that was the longest gain that they had on the ground tonight uh, among all running backs in fact Kevon Lee had the next longest uh, pick run and that was seven yards and so when you go through and can comb through this running back room and I think now that we're two-thirds through the season eight games in four games left that is becoming more of a fairy tale that we think they're going to find the guy and someone's going to take this job and run with it that was a storyline in mid-September became less likely as October rolled around. And, and now at this point, I don't think you're holding out hope for much. But here is that game-by-game game breakdown that, that I did send you after this game. And it's it's not a pretty one. I know I bring some ugly stats when things get going bad. But this is one that it just can't be ignored at this stage. Game-by-game, game, here's your leading running back rushing yards for Penn State. Game one at Wisconsin, 48 yards from Noah Kane. Game two against Ball State, 69 yards from Noah Kane. Game three against Auburn, 45 yards from Noah Kane. Game four against Villanova, 45 yards from John Lovett. Game five against Indiana, 74 yards from Kevon Lee. At Iowa, you got 30 yards from Kevon Lee uh, versus Illinois last Saturday, 43 yards from Noah Kane. And today, John Lovett led all running backs with those 20 yards on 13 carries. You don't need a guy to get you six yards every single play. But what these totals tell me is no one's getting you 40-yard pops on any given play. And that's exactly what Ohio state is getting from their weapon in the backfield. Yeah. We, we had a chance to listen to, as you can tell, if you're watching on our YouTube page, we're not in Columbus. Mark Brennan is out there, but we listened to James Franklin's press conference before we came on here. No chunk plays in the run game just seems to be the constant theme this year. And that's really disappointing. Um, you know, you don't have journey Brown, which, you know, or a guy like journey Brown um, to, to bust the top off. You thought maybe John Lovett could be that guy. Um, but John Lovett has been, you know, has had trouble getting going aside from that play late in the game where you thought he might have a touchdown, may have been forced out of bounds. You, you know, probably go either way. I probably, I, I, I lean to, to, to saying that was the correct call just because he seemed to be heading that way anyway. Um, but awful, awful close. Um, but uh, you just don't have that guy, that guy that can take it and go 70 yards and see, um, you know, and, and, and really put everybody else in the dust. And that's really, uh, it's it's tough to to make that up because when you're looking at when Penn State has had it, the most success running the ball under Franklin, you think of Saquon Barkley. Well, Barkley could get bottled up and and have three or four carries that you know went for negative yardage or no gain or whatever. And then, but he did have the ability to break the seventy yarder and go that way. And this this team just does not have that. And shockingly, at this stage, they they just don't. And and that's that's just what what it is right now. And by the way, the offensive line. Um, Center was the center, and the right guard was the right guard, as we've come to expect. Yes, uh, Miranda was After the center. After all that. 
Moreno was the center. Uh, it seems overwhelmed at times, uh, and that's tough. And I, I don't know that making the switch. I, you know, I, I like the switch long term, but I don't know that making the switch in, in one week really does all that much for you. Bryce Efner came in and played a little bit for Caden Wallace, who was once again banged up. Um, and I think that's when they had the uh, the pick, or excuse me, the scoop and score. Um, and that's uh, you're in a tough spot because you're not very deep right there. And 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 Efner is not uh, really a game changer or anything like that. If he was a game changer, he'd be one of your top five. He's not. So uh, that's kind of where you find yourself at this point, kind of working around things, um, you know, trying to patch things up and, and go elsewhere. And that's, uh, that's tough. I mean, I, I, you abandon the run for the most part, but I think that's the right call. Um, you know, in the second half, I think a couple of times they went and they ran the ball when they shouldn't have trying to keep people honest, I guess, but you're not getting anything out of that. So uh, tough to, Tough to talk about this kind of every week, and I think we probably spent a little bit too much time on it in this post game because it's uh, you know it's it, it just pops up so often. It's just so frustrating to watch. Um, Penn State lost the field position battle. It's fairly close, and probably a little bit closer than you would think. Ohio State's average starting position their own thirty four. Penn State's their own twenty eight. Um, you know, you, you, it comes down, it comes back to those turnovers. Uh, Penn State got the ball in midfield, couldn't really do anything with it. Ohio State, of course, um, you know, got the pick there in the fourth quarter, which was ultimately the one that, you know, you, you think about the, the, the Jordan Stout missed field goal there at the end, and that's probably where the game ends. But that pick really, really set Penn State back and gave uh, Ohio State a chance to, to wind some more clock and really put them back. Um, as far as that goes, um, I think we probably covered the bag. Oh, the, the, the snap infraction um, really, really cost Penn State. It's kind of like um, the, uh, the the fumble in the end zone last week against Illinois. It's one of those plays that, um, you know, you, you is by the book. Um, I guess you go with that because you blow the play dead. You can't review it and everything like that. But that's a snap. I mean, you can move the ball around as a center, but once you go back in the motion, that's a snap. That's a fumble. That's the same as snapping it over the guy's head. So, I don't know what they're thinking with that, but that really cost Penn State right there. Um, but we can get into the good things. There were good things, especially defensively. I think Penn State controlled things early. Um, the red zone defense was awesome. Uh, once again, that's been a theme all season, that bend but don't break type thing. Five of six in the red zone, Ohio State, uh, and that seems good, but four of those were field goals. Um, Penn, State's did, Penn State's defense did a nice job, and their back was against the wall. Now they, they put themselves in that spot a couple of times with chunk plays. But their back was against the wall, and they did a really nice job of uh, of covering for themselves. And I told you it was going to be that that big, you know, primetime showcase for that secondary versus this wide receiver group. And I thought overall, you know, they made the plays they had to. You would expect you, you knew an Olave you know, breakthrough was coming. You knew that that was going to happen. You're going to give up some good, uh, some big, big plays. You're going to draw some penalties. That's the nature of the beast here. But I thought overall they did enough to put their offense in a spot to, to go win this a uh, game. They they did enough to to keep an offense that just was rolling over everybody going into this matchup. And the, the CJ Stroud numbers were video game like with this wide receiver group. And look, Garrett, Garrett Wilson, I mean, you went through it. We went through the weapons. Everybody made a play here and there. And Travion Henderson ultimately made the biggest plays of the game, I think, on the ground late. But overall, they, they stepped up. I think they showed a lot what they were made of. I thought Joey Porter Jr., uh, you know, he, he he had some moments where the penalty was drawn or, or he was beat. But I thought, man, I love the way he competes. And, and, and he looked like he was ready for that situation. Three Castro Fields uh, had a big play um, late in this contest. And then I thought Daquan Hardy, I said from last year, can you get that improvement in the slot coverage? Because last year it was, it was pretty poor in this matchup and it really cost Penn State. 
you did get that. So overall, I think defensively, uh, for as much as this team has taken the gut punch up front, back end of this group did well. Curtis Jacobs continues to come along game by game, it seems, really blossoming into a player for them at linebacker. Um, but, but right now, um, they were not able to produce that game-changing turnover. When they got the turnover earlier, it was given right back by that Noah Kane fumble, which was really unfortunate because they got the ball in Ohio State territory to start things out. I think they were missing. They needed to come up with that one turnover, some kind of takeaway. Big issue for them. They could not get pressure on C.J. Stroud. They could not hit C.J. Stroud. And as this game went on, see Sean Clifford did take hits. And you started to see that wince coming back to his face a little bit. You started to see it uh, may have been a bit more difficult for him to step up and launch that football uh, certainly we didn't see them really put him in harm's way as a runner too often one way or the other. Uh, but that was a storyline, Sean. I mean, he, he was taking hits. Stroud wasn't. And I think we got to factor in one of those quarterbacks had the backup uh, of his backfield and the other, when he handed the ball off, that guy was going about 1.5 yards on average. Yeah. And you look at some of those, those touchdowns and, and those big completions for Stroud, Arnold Evacati just a step away, especially yeah. that touchdown to to Olave. He was just a step away. Um, so no real consistent pass rush. And for a quarterback like Stroud, who puts up ridiculous numbers, but is not always the most accurate guy. You saw that fourth down throw, um, which was terrible. Yes. Um, but uh, he's not the most accurate guy. If you get him moving around, you get him buzzing and and, and make him do things like that, make him try to try to pick you apart. So um, that's uh, certainly probably nitpicking in terms of the defense. I thought Tangelo and Ebikiti played pretty well. Uh, you mentioned Daquan Hardy, Jacobs, linebackers especially, and I hate to to bring the standard back to last week with Illinois, but the linebackers were so bad against Illinois, pretty decent this week against uh, against Ohio State. Ellis Brooks was right there in the hole, um, you know, uh, more than once, just right there with uh, with Trevion Henderson. So, um, you know, the defense again was put in not great situations, did a pretty good job of turning that around. I, I don't think this was their best performance. Um, but at the same time, you've you've got the uh you've got the ability out there and you've got a good bounce back, especially with the way that they were gashed last week against Illinois. So I think what this does, and we'll probably move into some final thoughts here. I think that what this does um is gives you a little bit more confidence going into the rest of the schedule. I know that Michigan and Michigan State are still out there, but Coming off that Illinois loss, you're wondering if Penn State was going to lose out, basically. That's how bad they were. That's how bad we talked about them last week. And there's a certain resiliency there. There's you know credit to be given to the staff and the players for kind of blocking that out and and, and moving forward and playing Ohio State tough. Again, it's not um, the the acceptable res response is not, you know, it, it, one in seven is not going to get it done. Um, but at the same time, in the in the small picture um, you, yeah. you got to be encouraged by the way that they came out. They could have laid down and just gotten drubbed out there and they didn't do that. So um, that's good. Offensive line, still not good. Um, still not going to get a running game. Any of that stuff um, is the same talking <laughs> points. It seems like we're talking about on every show. Um, not much. Isn't it crazy that, that we're at the point though? Like we're not going to talk about this because you know, like, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> That's where the, that's where it's at, and that's really disappointing. It's really no disappointing. doubt about it. But I mean, how many how many times how many people are tuning in to hear the same thing over no. and over and over again? I mean, I, you know, 
that's uh, that's when I start tuning out my wife. You know, it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> well, but, dude, uh, the, 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 this she's this, not listening. By the way, no, no, never. <laughs> uh, but this this kind of like I, I will say when you talk about the last few weeks, it has been a lot of the same conversation. Is Clifford healthy? Can they? I mean, right now you have some confidence. Clifford's going to have to recover from this matchup. He got hit a few times. We'll see where he's at moving ahead. But uh, you know, Franklin and Clifford, you know, they weren't just saying it to say it all week. Clearly about him making marked strides physically compared to where he was last week. He was very much different. If you get this Clifford last week against Illinois, our conversations much different in the past week, but you didn't. So you come out of this matchup. Look, they're coming home five and three. That's what you thought was going to happen. That's what I thought was going to happen. And if they're being honest, I think most of our listeners thought five and three was going to be the end result. How would they get there was a big question. I brought up that 2018 trip out to Michigan when you had a hobbled Trace McSorley and it was a disaster. He lost by 40 points just about and came home and there was all sorts of questions. This time you pick up that loss and you hate to keep losing to Ohio State and three losses in a row stings in a big way after 5-0. and But like you said, it feels like a little bit of a platform now underneath their feet. And, and there's going to be the uneasiness about James Franklin until other jobs are filled. That's going to be external noise. But say what you will about that noise. Inside, this didn't look like a team that was distracted coming into this matchup. They looked ready to play football. They looked prepared. I thought overall uh, the, the play design was there to execute a win, but there's just been shortcomings for this team. Some of those same wars resurfaced. And when you lose the turnover battle three to one, you're not going to pick up a win in Columbus. Although they came much closer than I ever could have imagined, especially if you would have said they were losing that turnover battle three to one and not getting anything going on the ground. And that's a testament to Sean Clifford. What an effort from him. We, we've seen some gutsy efforts at quarterback from Penn State in this matchup over the years. McSorley had some moments. Uh, this was one for, for Clifford, and he's going to want those two turnovers back. Um, there's no doubt about that. He's going to really want to pick. He's going to. I can't imagine what it's like for an Ohio guy to realize he's 0-5 since coming to Penn State against Ohio. That's difficult. But can we just say Sean Clifford answered the bell in a big way. And if you're looking for, you know, any reason to, to, to keep rooting for this team, despite three losses, look at the way they played today. Uh, and, and I think that's a lot when you kind of hit your wagon to this program, look at the way they played today, because, because I think we all imagine scenarios in which it was a lot, a lot worse and, and where the effort maybe and the uh, enthusiasm didn't match what we saw today. Yes and no. Um, it, it it's kind of the the entire sphere of following Penn State is that you get the good things that you saw from Sean Clifford. You get the good things that you see from the football program, and then once or twice, for whatever reason, you know, he got hit. Obviously, you know, you're not trying to fumble the ball. You throw. He, he got pressured and and couldn't get the ball out to where he needed to get. You have these turnovers and mm -hmm. you have these little missteps, and then all of a sudden you feel pretty good about your season and you end up nine and three. And that's kind of where it's, where it's been. And that's uh, really unfortunate. I think Sean Clifford, I, I agree. Um, toughing it out, doing everything that he can to, to get this team to where they, um, where their realistic peak is. Um, but you still have those turnovers. You still have those, those question marks. Um, and you still see the difference between, a team like Ohio State, a program like Ohio State, I'll even use program instead of team here, um, where you've got the opportunity to play certain studs at certain positions kind of all over the field. Penn State, a much smaller uh, room for error. You see the talent and the depth difference show up 
Um, and that's that's kind of how it is. Just not not only in the in the micro against Ohio State, um, just as a whole every year, and that's really tough to see. And I know that's why a lot of people have have questioned James Franklin, especially in the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, if you get uh, if you continue to go, I think they're going in the right direction in terms of the quarterback position. Um, be really really interesting to see which direction this goes because if you can get another year out of Sean Clifford. Um, to bridge that gap between these two freshmen that we think are going to be, you know, pretty uh, have the potential to be pretty special, uh, more special than anybody that, that Penn State's brought in in the last six or seven years. Um, and then you've, you've got an opportunity to grow the program. It's, it's about catching lightning in a bottle with a quarterback. Penn State had something like that with Trace McSorley. Um, and, you know, you're going to see over the next couple of years if they can find that as well. But um, that's kind of been the program. That's kind of been the, the just following this team, not only week to week, but year to year. Um, and that's I think that's the sense of a lot of that frustration. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, Sean, that bridge you're talking about uh, for next year in place, there's a lot of people out there listening that want to apply some dynamite to that bridge and say, put in the true freshman. He's the number one ranked quarterback. Let's see him get out there and play from game one on. That's a conversation for another day. But today, I guess what my point was, big picture, yeah, it's a problem. You've lost three in a row this year. That's back-to-back years now where you have substantial losing streaks. You've lost five straight against Ohio State. The nothing I saw from Michigan and Michigan State today made me think that those games are going to be any easier than what I thought they would be for Penn State going into Saturday and, and Maryland on the road, the Rutgers coming up. Look, nothing's given for Penn State at this point, but I'll say it just feels like the ground underneath them is not shaking nearly as much as it was maybe when we woke up this morning on Saturday. That's what I feel like. Maybe a stabilizing performance, no more than that, but we're on a day-to-day situation monitoring this program right now and coming home with that loss like we all thought they'd be tagged. The loss comes, I guess, with a little less salt in the wound than maybe you anticipated it could. Yeah, I think that stabilizing the ground is 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 pretty good, especially when you take a look at they they go to Maryland next week, and usually that's one that you kind of overlook. And then last year Maryland put it to you, and uh, so I think you're you're not going in there saying a revenge game or anything like that, but you're you are saying you can't take Maryland lightly because if you do, you're gonna get your ass kicked again. So yeah. um, hopefully, uh, hopefully things are moving in the right direction again. I, I think there's a deal of confidence coming out of this week that you can be that team. You just can't have that let down once again. And uh, you know, you, you, you know what happens if you do. So, well, that's, that's um, the next question. It's, it's, was this kind of the first haymaker of a series of, of, of a fight back here down the stretch for Penn state, or was this kind of a desperation trying to land a punch and it's the last big punch you have left because three losses in a row, it gets tough. I mean, they're going to face a moment here, but it, it feels like, they should feel better about themselves and about their capabilities coming out of this week than they could have done really any time in, in, in much of this month. So you, you take that for what it's worth, and then you got to apply it to the next five, six days of preparation for Maryland. Because if you don't, like you said, any goodwill you built up today, even in a loss, will get evaporated in a hurry if you drop a fourth consecutive game and a second straight against the Terps. But that's a conversation that we have upcoming this week. That is a conversation for another day. That conversation <laughs> yeah. will be Monday or Wednesday or Thursday, I'm sure, next week. Yes. Um, but I think I think we've covered covered the bases. Um, I'm right. sure there's more stuff we got to get into at some point. But yeah. uh, I think this is a pretty good job for for wrapping this one up.
That's right. We will be back on Monday, take a, a bit of a deeper dive here into the Ohio State matchup for Penn State and then begin to shift over toward the Maryland matchup. And of course, anything that pops up here in Happy Valley along the way, we'll bring to you recruiting, of course, as well. That's it for the postgame podcast. Check out our coverage at lines247.com uh, from Columbus. Mark Brennan will be bringing you a bunch from there. Uh, we'll continue to do our stuff here into Sunday. We'll see if Penn State maybe maintains a spot in the AP Top 25. I'm, I'm a little kind of on the fence on that, Fitz because um, of how they play, but I anticipate they probably drop out, but we'll find out 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. So Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, it, I will say if they didn't drop out last week, I mean, right, what, right. Are, no what are you kidding. looking at here? So maybe that's the, the, the what you're searching for to keep them in there. Again, it doesn't matter. The playoff rankings are out this week, and those yeah. are the ones that matter, and Penn State's not going to be anywhere near or close to being in, in, in those. Nope. Or at least uh, in the top of those, sorry. No, no, October comes to an end far different than it started. Penn State falling to 5-3 and three, uh, tonight against the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're back with you next week on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Lance Glenn, for staying up late with us on after a game night. We'll talk to you real soon right here. On behalf of Sean, I'm Tyler. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.